Hello, and welcome to Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to stories from those who have already been there and what they did in your shoes. George, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So George, can you tell us a little bit about yourself here? Who are you? How'd you get started in real estate investing? So I got started in real estate investing back in 2019, just over three years ago. And um, I got into real estate investing because like like a lot of people, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And it blew my mind and it showed me a world of maybe I don't have to work for the rest of my life. Maybe I can buy these assets that can provide income for me instead of me showing up and going to work every day. And at that point, I was I was working as a pharmacist. I graduated back in 2015. I've been working for only three, three, four years at that point. But I was very, very unhappy doing so. It was not what I imagined. The pay was great, but the work environment was not what I was looking for. And I was looking for something to replace that income so I could be financially free. So at that point, I started looking at real estate. I knew that I was re- I was really open to any market, but at that time I lived in Belleville, Ontario, and I figured why not just run the numbers here first. And they worked really well here, probably better than most other markets in Ontario, unless you go outrageously far north. And I figured why why not use my home field advantage, right? I know what I know what um, businesses are opening up, what's what's closing down, what street is being widened. It's that unfair advantage. I, I call it a legal insider trading where, you know, that would get you put you in jail if this was the stock market, but it's allowed in real estate. And so, yeah, I, I start from there. I've been acquiring duplexes, triplexes, and recently a fourplex, nothing over four units yet, but I always realize that multi-unit, it just makes more sense financially. You, know, you have two incomes through three, four incomes per roof, but you only have one roof to replace, right? And then there's the economy of scale from property management and things like that, you know, grass and snow removal. So that's what I've been doing. I've managed to accumulate 15 doors in the three-year period. And uh, recently, as of March of this year, I decided that I no longer needed my job because the cash flow from my portfolio was more than sufficient to take care of my needs. And I I, I call it pursuing real estate investing full-time, but it, it's not full-time. It's like I outsource everything. I have a property manager, contractor. Doesn't I, I, I mean, I'm more retired than a full-time <laughs> real estate investor. And uh, since then, I've decided to pick up my realtor's license. I figure that a lot of people have been reaching out to me saying, hey, George, who do you recommend as a... Uh, you know, a real estate agent that's investor focused. And I couldn't genuinely strongly recommend any specific person very strongly. So I figured, you know, there's a, there's a need that needs to be filled. And uh, I love talking about real estate. I love thinking about real estate. And I decided to take a shot at it and fill that role with the person I would recommend the most, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fair. What kind of clients are you are you currently seeing as a investment focused? So 99% of my clients are from the GTA. They're just heard of Belleville. They've been looking in the GTA, Hamilton, Kitchener, more to the west side. So London, Windsor, and the numbers just aren't working for them anymore. Mm-hmm. And they hear about Belleville, they they hear the prices here, the rents here, and the numbers just work so much better here. So they reach out to me just because I'm I'm probably I would say I'm either the top or the second most active 
investor on social media for this area. Okay. Just to give proximity to some of our listeners here, how far away is Belleville from, say, Toronto? Believe it or not, it's only two hours. Okay. It's right on the 401. You just go in the other direction. So you instead of going towards Kitchener, Hamilton, London, you go the other way towards Kingston, Ottawa, Montreal direction on the 401. Mm-hmm. Depend. I mean, if you're from Mississauga, it's more like three hours because you got to go through the GTA. But if you're from Scarborough, Markham, it, it depending how how loosely you play with the speed limits, it's it could even be one hour and a half. Okay. I hope everyone does go the speed limit though. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, 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 it's not something you can commute to every day. But if you are in a hybrid style job where you go once or twice a week, well, not twice a week, once or twice a month, it's actually still quite reasonable. And and I've been trying to pitch this to all of my friends and classmates. Look, like, why don't you live here? Why don't you work here? Especially pharmacists. We actually get paid the more, the further away we're from urban areas, just because the demand supply is they have to convince us to move out there with better pay. <clears throat> and I tell them, why don't you move out here? You make more money and the cost of living is less. And every weekend, if you want to go to Toronto and you want to hit the club, you want to get a VIP table. That's still close enough to do it every weekend if you mm-hmm. really wanted to. Yeah. Just rent out an Airbnb or whatever you need to do. Exactly. It, it, you know, for the same price, like I know people who are buying single, their dream home, which isn't very big. It's like a little dumpy bungalow in Toronto for like $1.2 million. Oh. And I have apartment buildings here for sale for $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. And a whole purpose built sixplex for $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's ridiculous. We're seeing that kind of, uh, I'm going to call it price disparity here in Alberta as well. If you're in Edmonton or Calgary, you know, you get these six or $800,000, we'll call them dream homes. If you go to Vegreville, Okotoks, just like an hour outside of the major city, it's less than half the price. It's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And, and, sorry. No, go ahead. We, we also see the price or income differences for some of those working professionals, as, as you've mentioned as well. So. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it makes perfect sense. And yet people are just, I think they are born and raised there. And some people have a hard time, especially if you're like part of a certain ethnic group, it's hard to move away from the large urban areas you're around people who are similar to you. But like, uh, are you going to give like, I don't know if sushi is worth giving up half your income and then paying twice as much for a house. I it doesn't make any sense. If you want to go have sushi every weekend, you still can, and you still come out ahead. I don't know. I like those California rolls. <laughs> and we have sushi here. We actually have pretty good sushi here. Yeah. I'll have to come try it one day then. Yeah. Sounds good. You ready to get into the meat of our conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So George, what was the best deal you've ever done? What was the plan and what went right or wrong? The best deal I've done, the best deal I've done was this duplex I purchased Right off the up in 2020, I think it was right after I've acquired a few and I I kind of get burnt out doing them sometimes because I was working full time and just the process really exhausts me. Mm. And uh, I just acquired two recently and I, you know, I said, I'm taking a break. I'm going to take a three months and then I'm not going to bu- acquire anything else. But, you know, I still get the regular list emails and I still look at them because it's fun and I'm a numbers guy. I analyze every real estate I see. So I see this one. This thing comes up. It's a duplex. It's listed for like two fifty in Belleville, and I look at it. it. Looks fine. Like it's not the prettiest duplex, but it looks okay. 
I love I run the numbers. The income potential for this property is thirty two hundred a month. It's <laughs> like I look at the picture and I'm like, okay, what's wrong with it? That's my first thought. Right, there has to be something wrong <laughs> that I'm, it's not showing. And but I was like, you know what? I'm taking a break. I'm I'm not gonna think about real estate. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do anything. A month later, it's still there. <laughs> but I said, you know, I'm taking a break. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Re- and another, a month later, it's still there. And at that point, I, I'm like, I, I got to see this. What's going on? <laughs> and it turns out, so it was a it was a duplex. It's a little older home, it's like built in the 1900s. It's got its issues, but it was a legal duplex. They already had the fire retrofit ESA everything ready for me, so I know it's it already meets all the requirements. And the problem was there were students living in there at the time and they were kind of operating as a student rental. And this was right in the summer of 2022 where everybody was panicking and thinking the world's going to end. So I think the seller in that scenario, they were, they were kind of panic selling and they, a lot of people got turned off at that property because it was just full of students inside. But I, I said, Hey, like school year is almost over. And it was obvious at that point, school was going to be closed the next year. And these guys were international students. I'm like, I don't think they're going to be here. I'm going to ask, hey, can you like, can I buy this house empty? <laughs> are you going to, are they open to it? And they said, you know, actually the top floor already said they were leaving by the end of the month and the bottom floor, let me ask them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, next thing you know, they said, yeah, they'll, they were going to leave anyways. They were going to go move to their family in Brampton. A lot of these are international students from India and their immediate family is actually in Brampton. So they were either going back home to their country because it was going to be all online. Why do they have to be in Canada to, to do it? Right. Or they yeah. go live with their friends and family in Brampton for a lot cheaper. Right. So I knew this place was going to come empty and I, I scooped it up with no competition. I paid just over two fifty for, it, and within a month I rented both units for 1600 a month. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. It's what happens when like I'm look. You know, you those times where you're like standing in the crowd and you see something strange in front of you, but nobody's just no one's paying attention. You're the only person who notices it. That's what I felt like when I bought it. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you guys not seeing this? And but I think that's what it is. It's that when fear people just get paralyzed by fear. They follow the media. They 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 get told what to do, what to think, and then suddenly when something that's even so blatantly obvious from a number objective standpoint they still don't act and i i think i see some of that even now there's you know the market's you know not the best right now but sometimes things get listed at appropriate prices and you run the numbers and it's just the the biggest no-brainer in the world and yet no one's taking action it absolutely ridiculous right now Mm -hmm. well i'm first of all i'm glad to hear you had the courage to do that i know lots of people are afraid to just even take any action but I'm curious if the age of the home might have might have been part of the reason people saying no for it. No, because I think within a year later, that type of home with under market rents, so like with tenants in it paying like $800 a month per unit, were selling in the 500s, the same age. And the vacant ones were selling at like six. So this city is quite old. We, we were, the city was formed before Canada was a country. So we have a lot of properties from the 1800s 1900s more than half of the entire city i would say is built in that age okay out of curiosity what do you think the property value on that one would be nowadays i know you guys have 
have you guys seen a major slowdown in your area as well? Yes and no. It's uh it's a two-part change in the market. What's happening right now I find is that the it's not the lack of buyer demand. It's it's not it's that the banks won't let them buy. It's that they have to qualify for too high and they're qualifying at like 8%. And the banks tell them, like everyday regular Joe's with their income plus qualifying 8%, the bank is saying you can only pay up to 400000 mm-hmm. So what I've seen is anything at 499 and under is just flying off the shelf. Anything higher is just going nowhere. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, it's And I find that starter homes are doing really well. It, it's one of those things. This, this city has a big range of properties where let's say you had you had a family and you had, you had two kids and you're looking for a three or a four bed home. When there is an economic burn where maybe money's a little tight, you don't really care if you've laminate or stone countertops. You don't really care about these stupid details that normally would differentiate a $400,000 house and an $800,000 house. And you know, if all you need is a place for your family to live, you don't really care if you have that perfect garage for your workshop or that big yard for your dog. You just want a place to live in. Right now, those are the ones that are selling really fast and oftentimes multiple offers. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear you guys are still seeing some multiple offers. I was in a 13 offer situation two days ago. 13. And okay. Needless to say, my client lost. <laughs> that's that's quite a bit of competition out there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that one was listed, I think, a little low on purpose, but it was also a duplex conversion opportunity. And I think a lot of investors saw it. So, Sounds fair. Are you guys seeing a lot of investors come to that Belleville area? Yes. I think in the last 12 months, Belleville has really hit the map. Like People really know where it exists. Because before I would tell people, hey, look, guys, I'm an re- investor. I invest in Belleville. They'll say, where's that? Even, even though it's only two hours away and these people are going to like to Windsor and you know, it's, it's, it's closer, but nobody, I guess nobody drives this way. And people, I tell them it's like Kingston, but closer. Mm-hmm. And uh, But now a lot of partially... Like I kind of blew up on social media recently in the last year. And so I think I'm partly at fault for exposing the market of Belleville, but a lot of other very big influencers in the real estate investing world has been talking a lot about Belleville as well. Um, Erwin Cito from Infinity Wealth, he has the podcast for the truth about real estate investing in Canada. He, his team does mostly Gordon, Golden Horseshoe area, but they are expanding to other areas now. He, he's a lot of positive things to say about the, the Belleville area as well. And he has lots of listeners. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. I know social media is actually how you and I originally connected. So I'm glad to hear it. So looking back at the best deal you've done, is there anything you would do differently? Anything I would do differently? That was the first project where I actually did any renovations. So I had no idea how to hire any contractors or what was a reasonable price for materials and things like that. And so funny enough, what went wrong also helped me in the sense where I thought I could get a contractor just like this. And that is absolutely not how it works. (laughs) And what happened was I didn't have time to finish the project before I needed it ready. At least the contractor was not available. So I just jumped in and did did a lot of the work myself. And I actually found it quite enjoyable and a lot easier than I expected, especially when it comes to flooring. This flooring is like, this is just like, this is easier than Lego. What is this? <laughs> yeah, especially the click stuff, right? And, and that's when I realized that I was 100% going to leave my job because at that point it was the middle of COVID. I don't know what happened to the general public. They just went 
I don't know what happened. They just they just became so miserable, so angry all the time. And as a pharmacist, I was front counter, patient facing. Anybody can walk up to me and say anything kind of thing. It was pretty miserable. It was more miserable than usual at that point. And I believe we were getting ready to roll out vaccines and we were just super understaffed at that point. And I remember laying on the ground, putting down flooring. And I remember in my head, it's like, people charge $2 a square foot for this. I'm pretty sure I'm doing more than 25 square feet per hour. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to work? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happier. I'm listening to the music I want to listen to, wearing the clothes I want to. I can take a break whenever I want. You know, like, I, I was so much happier laying down that stupid flooring than I was in my job. And I figured at that point, I knew that I was going to leave 100%. <laughs> that That's very relatable. So I, I actually just got a quote this morning, $2,500 to put in flooring. And I'm like, this is going to be a two-day job. Why? No, no. We're, we're going to go do that ourselves as well. So is there anything else you'd want to do on, on your properties here in the future other than flooring? I like painting. I'm not as good at it versus flooring. It, there's a bit more art to it than just pure technique. But I find it quite like meditative. It's just something about uh, watching the progress happen right in front of you. It's very, very satisfying. In a world of investing where we're always doing delayed gratification, where we're putting the pain, we're upfronting the pain and getting the reward who knows how many years down the road. It's nice to see the progress on the same day you do the work. Very true. (laughs) Very true. Okay. Hmm. Mm. and those those things don't require ultra specialized labor and yet they charge a lot of money so it's more economical for me to do although i'm really at this point from based on how busy i am as much as i'd like to do it myself i just don't have the time also very relatable i'm sorry to hear that do you have a contractor nowadays that you've that's able to do most of that stuff or nowadays i uh yeah, I have a couple of general contractors that I rely on for myself and I refer to my clients as well. It, I find that when it's like a small, like a super smaller refresh, then I would prefer to do it myself if it's just flooring and paint, right? But if it's a mage, something a little bigger with, I would say, five or more moving parts with different contractors involved, I prefer to hire a general contractor because I don't enjoy managing people. That's not always not been something I enjoy. And I'd rather pay one guy, even if it's a lot more, than to pay five different guys and have them arguing on themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's not worth the time. It's not. And trying to schedule them around each other. And then you know how it is with trades. They always complain about each other. I don't want to be involved. (laughs) Sounds fair. So what are some of the lessons that you feel you learned in this deal? Trust the numbers instead of your sentiment, especially what other people are telling you, what the media is telling you. Just trust the numbers. If the numbers make sense, go for it. There's nothing more objective than numbers. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just feelings. Very true, very true. I love that advice. (laughs) Same thing applies now. If you run your numbers and, you know, right now interest rates are, you're buying rentals at 6%, you run your numbers at 7, or you want to be extra safe, run it at 8, and the numbers work, then you should do it. Mm -hmm. Don't, be worrying, oh, what do you think? What do I think? The numbers already told you what they thought. <laughs> Very true. The numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Exactly. Sounds good. So we'll switch gears here a little bit. What's the worst deal you've ever done? 
what was the plan and what went right or wrong? So the worst deal, it's not even that bad. It's more the emotional toll it had on me rather than financial. It's actually my first deal. <laughs> it actually sounds like a great deal, but there was a lot of assumptions that I made that were not true. And my first deal, plain enough, was a student rent. We, we bought this massive Victorian and it was being operated as an illegal like rooming house. But the listing said, oh, we're almost done legalizing it. So I bought it with the condition that they legalized it at their own cost. They didn't realize how much it was going to cost or how hard it was going to be, but they were bound to do it. Anyway, I got a legal eight unit rooming house at that point, which uh, I was there in Belleville. There is a college called Loyalist College, just, you know, like community college stuff, nothing, nothing crazy. And I thought I was going to do, you know, I would rent these, uh, these units out by the room, charge them depending on the size of the rooms and how nice they were between $550 to $700 a room, all inclusive with internet and utilities included. And it's seven bedrooms for the one side and the other side is actually, one of the rooms had its own kitchen and living room. So I just rented it as a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Altogether, I was able to get over $5,000 a month in income and my 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 expenses and mortgage all added together was less than $3,000 a month. So I was cash flowing over 2000 easily. But the problem was I thought student rentals were all the same. And that is absolutely not true. I thought I was renting to people like me. I went to University of Toronto. I I thought I was renting to people like me, but I didn't realize there was a, such a big difference between university and college here in Canada. And just the, just the types of people and the kind of commitment they have towards education is completely different. And what I've, and what I've also found was when it comes to college, they just commute most of the time. They don't need student rentals. There's a reason why they picked that specific college. It's not because of name. It's because they're just close by. And luckily, luckily, I also realized after I bought it that we have a massive international student population here. We, I think half of the school is international students. Crazy. We, we, the schools charge them an outrageous amount of tuition, probably why they accept so many of them. Mm -hmm. And they need a place to live because they came from a different country. So I rented to them, but the problem I came across was a lot of these guys had an expectation of paying like $300 a month. I don't know why, who told them that number, but they come to this country. I believe their parents put a certain amount of money in a GIC and that GIC pays them $600 a month. That's their living expenses. And they're expected to pick up a part-time job to make their ends meet. And for some reason, they came to this country before they got here. First of all, they didn't think that they have to get a place before they arrived here. So there were guys literally with a suitcase down the street looking for a place to sleep. And they expected to find a place that night. It's like, that's not how it works in this country. But maybe in your country, that's how it works. But not here. They would, I would show them the property and they would say, okay, I'll take it. And it's like, no, no, you don't decide who gets to live. I decide. Like there's, there's, there's more people to rent. Then there are units to rent. Mm -hmm. The landlord decides. It's not like I'm begging you to come stay in my unit. Mm -hmm. So it it was it was frustrating from a like a culture standpoint. It definitely did not meet my expectations. What I was expecting, you know, I, I'm sure if I had a student rental by Queen's University in Kingston, or if I bought something in London or Hamilton by McMaster or Western, I would have found people closer to me, and I would have been more prepared for it. But I just didn't realize there's a huge difference when it comes to college and universities and also managing international students as well. Sounds fair. Yeah.
And, and then what I learned was uh, managing it is a nightmare because you have common spaces between a lot of these kids and a lot of them are 18 and a lot of them have never had anyone, they've never cooked or cleaned for themselves ever before in their life. So unfortunately, no, no property manager is ever going to take a student rental, at least the ones where you do room by room. So I was managing it, which I was okay with that until I realized I got, I got, I got calls for people saying, you stole my eggs. He didn't clean up after he didn't wash his pots in his, in the sink. <laughs> and that's the stuff I had to deal with. And which, you know, I was making $2,000 a month of cash flow. I was, you know, I'll, I'll put up with it. Right. It's, it's mm -hmm. not the end of the world, but the problem is when COVID hit and the international students left and they didn't come back for that year. Mm. And unfortunately, I was forced to rent to the the locals. The locals, students are good. Again, the the, stu the local students are good, but they commute. They don't need a place to stay. And so I ended up having being forced to rent to like a lot less desirable tenant profiles. Mm -hmm. And that made management a lot worse. I think I, I dealt with a few guys who then were like, I had like violence issues in the house and drug use issues. And because I, you know, these international students, while they might complain a lot, they're good people. Mm -hmm. And, but these locals who are, a lot of them don't work, don't do anything and just are up to no good all the time. They were very difficult to manage. And that's, and then I had a couple of vacancies where people, some of the good guys left because of these other bad guys. And then I have a hard time filling that vacancy. So I decided to sell it in the beginning of 2021. Okay. That's For fair. a good profit, but it was a, it was a very stressful situation leading up towards the end because it was just like police and stuff and drug and all the time. So a lot of lessons to be learned there. I brushed up on my landlord tenant board laws quite a bit in the last few months. I can believe that. Yeah. So that was, while it was quite profitable, it was my worst deal for my mental health, for sure. It sounds fair. Looking back at it, is there a way you could have got, even trained somebody to be a property manager in there, even if they're technically in-house? Not, not once COVID started and the international students left. Mm -hmm. What I kind of realized now, it would have been probably better off. So in Belleville, 99% of the international students are from India. And I think it would have been better off to just rent the whole house to someone who's in charge of the whole thing and have them decide who can move in, who can move out whenever you want. And then they can deal with all the complaints and I just have them. I'd rather take a, take less money and then have them deal with the that issue from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But that would not have saved me for the problem at the end. No, probably not. And un thankfully, it was very sounds like a temporary issue. But I, I am sorry to hear you had to go through that in the first place. Yeah. If it's okay with you, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper, the difference between the college students and the university students. Where um, do you... The difference? Where, where the difference are? So um, I found that the majority of the college students aren't as committed to finishing their studies. A lot of them end up dropping out, whereas the university students end up are a lot more committed. And they're just generally more studious kids, mm -hmm. more likely to be home studying Sure, they might party, but they're not like committing crimes. And just because the the rigorous requirements to get into university in the first place, you just get good kids for the most part. Gen and generally, parents are fairly well off, and they're usually got good jobs and good, 
you know, good principles in life and they are well financed to guarantor for the kids as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas so just, college students I find are, aren't nearly like that. Would you call it like a C or, or B or C class tenant versus an A class? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say university students are a hundred percent. Sounds fair. And then you were mentioning those locals, obviously your tenant pool, I don't want to call it dried up, but shrunk there as well. Where in the scheme of things, would you put the local students who were looking to go to that college? So the local students are, they're okay. They, a lot of times I find a lot of them aren't too serious in their program. And like I said, a lot of them end up dropping out before their program completes. The schooling has changed significantly since then. However, we have introduced a I believe a four-year nursing program here. So those it's quite competitive and people who graduate from that are quite, you know, they get paid really well and it's not an easy program. So they're going to be spending most of the time studying because otherwise they won't pass. But the problem is, like I said, is I think I would have been okay if I rented to mostly locals, college students as well. Mm-hmm. The problem is most of them just drive to school and they go home. They live I, home. Yeah, it's fair. How did you screen some of those international students? You can't. Yeah. No. You can't. Just the fact that they're they're willing to come out away here shows something about themselves. That's true. And that's and they made a huge financial commitment to come here. So and I uh, keep in mind a lot of these cultures from different countries, they would rather not eat than not pay rent because in those countries they don't have any rental protection. They'll be kicked mm-hmm. out on day one. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you kind of had to go with your gut on in meeting them. I did, and uh, you had to really fill the vacancies in the last minute as well, because a lot of the other guys don't look for places before they arrive. So you could be look, you could be it could be August twenty eighth, and your house is empty, mm. and you're wondering where these people are. And then by September second, your place is full. Okay. <laughs> I, I've had this poor kid. His, his apparently his brother just dropped up on the street corner, saying, "Okay, go go ahead." He had no place to stay that night. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's and my place was my place was too expensive for him. <laughs> so, but I think he stayed there for like two days. He's he just paid me per day. I'm like, I don't have anyone there yet, so he can stay here until you find a cheaper place. That's awesome. <laughs> a lot of unfortunate situations where I think a lot of these kids come here with the false expectations of how much things cost here. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am glad to hear you were able to help him out. Being homeless is not fun, especially when you're in school. No. And I think this year it's really bad here in Belleville. So if you're interested in investing in student rentals in Belleville, this is a great opportunity because from what I've been told, a lot of these kids, they were close in November and some of these kids who arrived in September still haven't found a place. They're like crashing on their friends' couches. Mm-hmm. Well, that is how lots of college kids do things, unfortunately. Yeah, but they don't even have a family member in the country, right? So it's a rough situation for them. It is, it is. Okay. So what are some of the lessons that you did learn on this worst deal? Well, I learned that sometimes profits aren't worth the pain that you have to go through. Even if you present the same deal to me for $2,000 a month cash flow, I don't think I'd do it. I'd rather do something else, make less money, but have my life be closer to what I want it to be. It's something I've recently really come to terms with where I really have to consider what my what my goal in life is and what I want it to be. And if something's not aligned to what I want for my life, then I am not going to 
pursue that regardless of how high the profits are. Mm -hmm. That is awesome advice. I love that very much. If something ruins your life, it's not probably not worth it. Exactly. And some of these deals are, they, they, they seem so good, but are not worth the headaches. hundred percent, hundred percent. Just before we switch on to our last segment here, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go into a new segment that we've just started. What's three things about you that most people don't know? Three things about me that people don't know. Anything I haven't said. So I I love to go to the gym. I used to compete in Olympic weightlifting where the clean and jerk and snatch. I was okay at it. Nothing spectacular, but I really enjoyed the movement and the explosive movement. And it's like a a combination of strength and agility and balance and flexibility at the same time. I love it. I don't do it anymore, but it's always a special place in my heart. Don't know about it. I'm pretty open with who I am. I'm a, I'm a big introvert. This, I don't like talking, even though I've been talking nonstop for the last hour. It's, it's because I am, it's only about a topic that I'm very passionate about and real estate is that, but if you want to talk to me about the weather, I'm not doing it or <laughs> anything, anything not related to what I'm passionate about. Third question. Um, I like cheaper ice cream. I don't like the more expensive ones because they're expensive because of the cream content, but I don't like when my ice cream is too creamy. I prefer when it's cheaper and it's got more sugar and water because I like the crystallization of it. I like the texture. That's very interesting. Okay. <laughs> very good to know. Hopefully we'll be able to go for ice cream here in a little while. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode of Deal Deep Dive. George was an absolutely fantastic guest. He brings so much knowledge and experience. And he's actually our first Ontario-specific guest, which is pretty exciting. If you guys did like today's episode, or even if you didn't, we do ask you to leave a rating and review. That way we know how we can improve here in the future. I hope you guys are getting tremendous value out of the podcast here. And if there's anything that we can do to help out, we want to know. Thank you guys and enjoy the next episode.